It's a new year, and I'm excited to begin a new series of monthly podcasts. I'm also thrilled to have Dale Shipley join me across this online table. Each month, you will hear easily digestible information that you can put into practice using the 15-minute foundational classroom strategy. I like to call it 15 minutes of intention. You can learn more about the 15-minute classroom strategy by heading over to coachingnextsteps.com or by listening in to episode number one of the 15-minute classroom podcast. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Good afternoon, Dale. It is wonderful to have you here today. Well, it's pleasant to be with you all, Diane. Dale, as we begin, I just thought that I would uh, just talk about a question uh, for our audience. Did you know that play is the primary vehicle for learning, especially for children three three to eight years of age? It's true. Children learn primarily through play. In fact, children learn to be successful learners through play. Play is far more powerful for children than many parents realize. It's actually the key to learning. Researchers and educators across the world have found that play can help enrich learning and develop important skills like curiosity, creativity, perseverance, and the ability to work together. And that's just to name a few. On today's episode, Dale will help us understand how learning occurs in the kindergarten and primary school years and the role of play in helping children learn. So Dale, as we begin this topic of learning through play, I wonder if you can shed some light on what it means to learn. Well, learning involves being able to do, know, or understand something for the first time and to integrate the new learning in ways that influence one's beliefs, knowledge, skills, and competence. Learning brings about meaningful change in the learner. It inhabits the mind and body, senses and emotions, builds intelligence and wisdom, and adds to our repertoire of behavior. It reconfigures who we are, what we are capable of, and how we understand our world and our place in it. Learning may represent small or large change, but it is usually something that one can feel within oneself and that others might observe. So learning brings about change in the learner and that it reconfigures who the learner is, what they are capable of, and how they understand their world and their place in it. I think that's a really important point to highlight. So, Dale, what is a key motivating factor that promotes learning, particularly for children from kindergarten to about grade four? Among several motivating factors, curiosity is the one that leads children to explore and discover and find out more about something in the environment that has caught their eye and interest. Curiosity is inborn, and it is an important role for parents to preserve children's innate curiosity, along with their vivid imaginations that should also be preserved well into middle childhood and beyond. These are part of the foundation for novel, creative thinking and problem solving. 
A way to do this is to recognize children's curiosity by providing a secure place for them to play undisturbed with as few distractions as possible indoors and outdoors so that children can play to their heart's content. Changing the activities available to children, their books, art supplies, physical equipment and play materials when the time is right, for example, when the child needs more challenge, maintains their curiosity and promotes their exploration of concrete objects. In small or larger homes, parents might provide a protected area in the kitchen, family room or other living space that preferably has boundaries on three sides and is somewhat separated from the rest of the room, but still allows the child to see other family members and interact with them as he wishes. The boundaries can be created simply by using furniture or bookshelves to partially separate the child's play area from the mainstream of the room. This protected space allows the child to play undisturbed and even leave play materials out for a day or two in order to finish them properly. This is especially important for play with construction sets like blocks or puzzles or toys with many parts that otherwise become strewn all over rooms and no longer serve their purpose for children or parents. Mm. So curiosity is a key motivating factor that promotes learning and parents can play an important role in fostering curiosity in their children. Perhaps one practical step parents can take is to consider how they might create, as you described, Dale, an undisturbed play space in their home and to regularly change toys, books, and creative supplies. Parents might consider exchanging toys periodically with a friend or neighbor, and the library is another great resource for books and kits. And Dale, you referenced that librarians are often helpful and may advise parents on the next toys, books, or materials to choose to keep their child challenged and learning. So when I mentioned about periodically changing the toys and books and creative supplies, that's different from the undisturbed play space that you talked about, because in the undisturbed play space, that is an area where the materials that the child is using are actually kept so that they can continue to build on the play that they've started. That's right. And I, I love your, your reference to the libraries who can be indeed very helpful to parents in advising them where to go next. Yeah, and, and we've talked about this before, that libraries are a really great free resource that we have available to us. And another, um, I mean, there's many places, but what came to my mind was stores like Once Upon a Child or Value Village, where these are options that parents can take advantage of, where they can purchase games, books, puzzles, toys that, you know, for less, and um, exchanging with friends or neighbors is, is also that a, a great option. So, Dale, you've highlighted the importance of an undisturbed play space. Well, when children have a protected place to play, the quality of their play is enhanced. And it allows the child to go deeper into play where they can lose themselves in play and follow their own motivations, choices, and curiosity. A protected space for play at home 
usually works well for parents too, as it keeps play materials fairly confined in one area instead of spreading them all out over the living space. Leaving toys out to return to them later is especially important for art and construction activities that may be ongoing. This encourages the child to finish what they have begun, and that's important, to finish what they have started, such as an art project or a construction project. Also, as children are active learners, they should be able to move around in their play environment. Space is more readily available in a typical primary school classroom and should be well organized for play and learning. But enough space can usually be found even in a small home or apartment for a child to play and do activities undisturbed with enough materials to explore and use. Playing outdoors also offers an ideal environment for play and should be a daily occurrence. Creating a protected play space outdoors in a backyard achieves the same purpose as it does indoors where a child's play materials can be centralized. This optimizes the quality and the sophistication of their play and keeps them motivated to choose activities, follow through and learn from them. So you've talked about children having a protected play space indoors as well as outdoors. I think outdoors, it can be harder to protect, especially with the changes in weather. So perhaps, again, uh, a practical tip would be if parents purchase or find a plastic-covered storage bin. This could become a protected space for their children to play, to keep the materials they find or need during their daily outdoor play. And perhaps a second storage bin could be when they have created something, they could put it in the storage bin to return to the next time they're out playing. So when children have learned through play, what characteristics will parents observe? What what, what should they look for? Well, when children have learned, their behaviors may change and they demonstrate new skills, which signals that they are ready and able to tackle more challenging tasks. Children like to demonstrate what they have learned, something they can do, for example, a new skill, something they now understand, such as being able to match and sort objects according to their common features, or being able to follow a pattern when stringing beads, or solving a puzzle, or learning to walk a balance beam without falling. Children who have learned usually approach new challenges with greater confidence and enthusiasm, especially when a parent recognizes their success. This can be as simple as saying, I really like that, the structure you built, or I think you just solved that puzzle by yourself. It makes a child feel feel more capable, instills a sense of pride, and adds to their self-concept. Praise is unnecessary. You don't have to judge or assess what they have done. Just recognizing their achievement is enough. Children are able to assess for themselves whether their effort has met their own standards and plan, and they should be encouraged to self-assess. Parents can help by asking them questions about the project or activity they have just finished. Praising their achievement tends to make children dependent on praise from others and should be avoided so that they are better able to self-motivate, plan, set their own goals, and recognized when they have achieved them for themselves. When learning has occurred, 
a child can usually make new connections among things, concepts, ideas, and skills. For example, they learn to form teams of equal number with groups of projects that may be different in size and shape, or they might use new words in the correct contexts for the first time, or they may ask for greater independence because they know they have mastered the skills involved. For example, I can ride my bike to Amy's house because I don't fall off anymore. They may tackle new puzzles by themselves, use tools more skillfully than before, such as paint brushes, glue, or scissors for an art activity, or use their new catching and throwing skills to play t-ball with a group of children. Mm, such great examples. Dale, you've highlighted how parents can recognize their children's learning by asking questions about the project or activity they've completed. There's so much that we could say about the importance of children being intrinsically motivated. And a great place to start is to acknowledge the effort they've put in, how they persevered, overcome challenges, or reached their goal. This really is the joy of learning that they will experience internally. This next question is key when it comes to understanding how children learn. In fact, I think it's probably, Dale, the most important question on today's episode. Do children learn differently at each age and stage in childhood? Yes, they do. Children's play and their learning are age and stage related. So the ways in which they learn in the kindergarten primary years are very different from over those of older children, teens, and adults. In early childhood, say ages four to eight, learning continues to occur through the senses, but by grade one or around age six, their dependence on the senses has gradually declined a little, and they are more inclined to learn through instruction, direct teaching, and demonstration. You've heard the expression, what I see I know, what I hear, I believe, what I do, I understand. And that tells us that as they get older, children's learning becomes more active and interactive. Learning in childhood is usually influenced by a pattern and sequence that is universal. For example, children walk before they run, they then march and skip. They talk in short sentences before they can hold a conversation. They play with one or two other children before they are ready to play comfortably in groups. Although one child may learn at a different speed than another child, they tend to acquire skills in much the same order, but not always within the same time frame from start to completion. It is also important for parents to know that children's play follows a developmental pattern and sequence as well. And as with all other developmental areas, children learn to become effective players. You've highlighted learning and play as sequential, and that children may learn at different speeds, but they acquire skills in much the same order, but not always within the same time frame. And I think when parents understand that learning and play is sequential, it, the, it can really help them to pay more attention, focus on the current skills their children need to learn at home, at school, and in their play. This can reduce some of the confusion and comparison that comes when parents might observe differences in what their children are learning and in the way their children learn best. 
and in what they hear or see in other children and even between their own children. So during these early years, essential skills are being developed through play. And these essential skills build a foundation for successful learning throughout the elementary school years. And as parents focus on creating daily opportunities for their children to perhaps you'll take some time this week to apply the 15 minute foundational classroom strategy. If you're new to this podcast, you may want to listen to episode number one, where the foundational strategy is described. Consider setting your intention for 15 minutes. Create a space with your child where his play can be undisturbed. Talk to a friend about sharing toys. Visit the library or new, uh, for new books or story kits or to talk to the library and ask for some help as to what the next toys or books um, might be appropriate for where your child is at. Find a plastic bin to store outdoor tools and materials for play. And finally, and most importantly, remember, the foundation for all learning is the relationship you have with your child. When you know their likes and dislikes, their interests and strengths, their joys and frustrations, this is the essential foundation for all learning. And it builds your relationship with your children. I just want to say a very special thank you to you, Dale. It's a pleasure to be with you all. And I, uh, I particularly appreciated your reference to the importance of building relationship with your child. And just a reminder, parents are the child's first and most important teachers. I love that. And such a perfect note to end on. And we look forward to seeing you here on the next episode of the 15 minutes.